The information provided in this podcast and on this website is intended for a Canadian audience. It is for informational purposes only and does not create a physician-patient relationship. It is not to be used as professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or care, nor is it intended to be used as a substitute. Anyone with any questions regarding medical conditions, issues, or problems should seek the advice of a physician. Welcome to episode three of Peep the Process, a sport and exercise medicine podcast for Canadian student athletes. Hi, James. How are you doing? Oh, I'm wonderful today. You know, we've got our guest expert today is Dr. Kathy Campbell. And Kathy has been a friend of mine for a long time. You know, when I was the chair of the Canadian Academy of Sport and Exercise Medicine Sports Safety Committee in 2004, I asked Kathy to play a role with me in a position statement that talked about how to prevent severe knee injuries. Uh, And we see those so commonly in our female teenage soccer players. And so I asked Kathy to play a role with me uh, in formulating a statement on how we should adopt this across Canada. And 10 years later, it finally got published. And so... Thank you, Kathy. It's so wonderful to have you as our guest on here. I hope it's not as onerous as that task was. (laughs) Well, I have a little time today. (laughs) A little time. So James, we did tell the listeners that we'd be giving them a behind the scenes look at some of the things that we talk about, but I was wondering if you could share maybe an embarrassing story that you have. So Emma, I know that you're a skater and I've done a lot of skating competitions as the physician Uh, on site. And there's so much fun. And you get to see some of Canada's top athletes. You see them on television a lot. But when you go back of house, you actually have them right in your face. Uh, This one competition is a Skate Canada International. I I believe that it was in Mississauga. And Canada's ice dancers had just finished competing. And you have to understand that uh, I'm not technically naive but I really had never owned an iPhone and I had no clue how they worked. And so there was a wonderful team of ice dancers called Weaver and Poje, and they were with their coach after the competition. And they were about two meters, you know, that social distancing distance? They're about two meters right in front of me looking for someone to take their photo. And they hand me an iPhone and I had no clue. And so instead of pressing that little white button, you know, the flat one that's on the screen, I kept pressing the round one and I kept doing this. I kept pressing the wrong button, turning the phone off. I did it about three times. They kind of wondered, I'm sure, this is the doctor at our event. <laughs> so, and, you know, the, the very same competition, you know, we have wonderful ice dancers representing Canada. And uh, Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer have done so well. They have won three Olympic medals over three successive Olympics, gold, then silver, then gold again. And I was walking to the far end of the arena because they needed a doctor at the north end. And it was very quiet in the hallway. And I'm about 10 meters away from a volunteer who was controlling access. And I'm a pretty loud guy. And 
I just saw this man from a distance away and he was kind of lonely. And I kind of yelped him. I said, so how's your day going? And from behind me and to the left, all of a sudden there's, I'm doing just great. Thank you very much. And I turned around and it was Scott Moyer. And they were waiting to go on and Tessa was giggling. And, you know, it was kind of like, how do people deal with anxiety just before the performance? How do top athletes prepare for this? And so, you know, I'd like to bring in our guest, Dr. Kathy Campbell, to tell us a little bit about how her teams that she's worked with for many years, how do they prepare for this performance anxiety? Well, thanks, James. That's a tough one for sure. And I would say the key is always preparation. The first three things are preparation, preparation, preparation. And it's important to, for instance, even as a track coach with my kids, I would go through the whole start. So this would be a plain old practice. And I would say runners behind the blocks, you know, runners, sweats off, take your mark. And I'd even have a starter gun and go through it because it's that, that heart rate goes up a little bit and they start to deal with that level, we'll call it level of arousal, which is sort of a popular sports term. They talk about this inverted uh, U theory. You don't wanna be yawning and getting into the blocks like that because you're not gonna perform. So the, the performance level would not be good. What they've determined is that the best level of arousal is kind of in the middle. You don't want to be so over the top. You don't want to be the kid that was up all night vomiting with nerves and anxiety, but you want to have the heart racing a little bit just before your event and, and learn how to handle that. Learn to figure out how to get to that place. Learn how to, you know, do you need to go away from the, the team for a minute and sit and do sort of some mindfulness or meditative kinds of things. So on a team, often you do a lot of that together as a team, but each individual will have their own way that they need to do that. And we were lucky to have a sports psychologist to help them kind of determine what that is. But for a lot of us, we just have to figure that out. You have to get yourself into those situations and then learn to deal with it, whether it's with your breathing, whether it's with meditation, whether it's just with some simple mindfulness type exercises that you can get on online or what have you. Or talk with someone that seems to do it very well. You may have a colleague or an athlete that you skate with, in Emma's case, a figure skater that, you know, just seems to get to that right place and, and find out how they do that because it's different for everyone. There's a lot of mental rehearsal that you can learn from a variety of resources. You know, one of my favorite movies was Cool Runnings. It was the Jamaica bobsled team at the Calgary Olympics. And there was one scene where all four of the men are in a bathtub and they're mimicking doing the turns in a bobsled run. It's hilarious, but so many athletes do this mental rehearsal and they prepare yeah. for it all in their mind. 
And that's part of the preparation as well, for sure, the mental rehearsal. I mean, you see it all the time in diving when you watch the Olympics. You see them up on the high tower and they're making all kinds of different moves prior to actually going off the tower. And it just helps with, with muscle memory, what's working and firing when, and just gets you ready for, for the event. Some people do this very well and some don't, and they need additional help. Some people, they do it almost automatically. And I've had other athletes that really need help in getting to a comfortable place. Sometimes it's related to confidence. They're not confident, and that increases level of arousal. So sometimes just talking to them about, okay, well, we know you can do blah, 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 and this is what we've done 10 times, and and so just kind of walking them through that so they can also improve their level of confidence, which helps the level of arousal as well. So just in terms of coping strategies, do you find that any one works best or is it more individual for each student athlete? Well, in terms of coping with stress, there's, you know, there's many things that you can do. Stress being, I don't know if you mean for a particular event, but just the stress of sport the stress of getting through this COVID-19 and all the stresses related to that. Uh, there's a number of things, you know, things like limiting the news and media exposure, especially at nighttime before you go to sleep. Developing a schedule or routine is really important, especially through this COVID-19. We're all over the place or we're sitting on our computer all day. Like set up times. This is when I'm eating. This is when I'm gonna Zoom with my friends. This is when I'm going to exercise. This is when I'm going to do my media. This is when I'm going to have fun. This is going to wait when I'm going to study. Practice good sleep hygiene. What does that mean? Make sure that the room's dark. Don't sit on your iPod or whatever half the night. Turn the darn thing off. So many student athletes have said to me, I can get by with five hours. Guess what? You can't. There's studies that have shown how your performance goes down. Things like reflexes, way different. Endurance. They've done a lot of studies with basketball, looking at three-point shots, how that goes way down with sleep. And, you know, in the student-athlete age group, you're looking at seven to ten hours. And one study was just forcing people to go to bed for 10 hours every night. They couldn't take electronics with them. And the performance has changed dramatically in a lot of these kinds of markers. Other things, practice self-compassion. So talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. Don't be so hypercritical. I should have done this. I should have done that. I could have done faster. I could have been better. Talk to yourself. Be reasonable with yourself, just like you would talk to one of your closest friends. Acknowledge and share your feelings. So if you are feeling stressed or anxious, is there someone you can talk to about it? Is there a parent there? Do you have a best friend, maybe a colleague or an, a fellow athlete or a teacher or coach that can help you with that? And you wanna share those feelings because you, you may have other colleagues or athletes that are doing the same thing. Prioritize your daily exercise. Make sure you get those routines and try to be specific. I recently interviewed one of our Olympic swimmers for a podcast and you know she, she did very well in recent Olympics. Her training, unfortunately, was on a stationary bike on her patio. So that will help with mentally. It'll help with her conditioning a little bit 
but a swimmer has to swim. So that is a tough one. And so your training needs to kind of mimic that action as much as possible. The specificity of training is so important and it's difficult at this time. And one last thing is gratitude. Be grateful for what you do have. Be grateful, for instance, that you're in Canada. Be grateful that you're a student athlete. Some people aren't students. They could never become a student for a variety of reasons. So gratitude is important. And sometimes part of that gratitude is by helping others. So what I found with this COVID-19 is it's an incredible opportunity to be our best selves, to put a step forward, whether it's making bread for my neighbor across the street who's 90 years old, whether it's helping someone, whatever the thing is, help someone else. And it kind of relieves your own stress a little bit and makes you more appreciative of where you are what you've done and allows you to move forward in your own life. So Happy that's that my uh, philosophy 101 there. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to have a close relative as a multi-medal winner at the Olympics? If you can boil the process of preparing and coping with anxiety, not just for Missy, but for all top performers. Uh, can you share some insights into the process? Well, for, for student athletes, actually, right now, I would say that the, the big buzzwords would be resiliency, flexibility, and adaptability. And if you don't have those three things, you're looking at a long, tough year. I've, I've always felt that people that do best in life have a great plan B. And a great plan C because plan A doesn't always work out. And you know, you mentioned Missy. So so her name's Missy Franklin and, and she's she swims for the US. My sister and brother-in-law went down there years and years ago. So she was born and raised in the US and competed for them. And when I was over in 2012 with the soccer team and we won bronze. Missy was burning up the pool, which was very inspirational for the team because they'd all sit to watch your races. And I think they thought if old Doc over there can have a niece that wins a gold medal, maybe we can win a medal too. And so, so that was quite cool. But, you know, 2016 for Missy wasn't a good year. And she had an injury and she had to deal with an awful lot of stuff. And I was very proud of her because she didn't make excuses. She faced the press and... She just dealt with it. And even today, you know, she's, she's now married. She's got a wonderful husband. And just to go to that situation for a second, they're in this lockdown. Her husband is an ex-swimmer and Hayes developed this company. Well, he's been working like crazy with Missy and they're developing all kinds of other things. And they've actually, with the NCAA, have developed this plan with the NCAA that they're going to offer this timing, fancy IT thing so that universities can actually compete against each other. NCAA Division 1, 2, and 3. But, for instance, Cal State will be swimming at Cal State. And the Texas Longhorns will be swimming in Texas. But they will be running these at the same time, and this timing device will allow them to compete. So it's like the plan B is pretty darn good. So, you know, you can either say, oh, isn't life awful? Look, everything is screwed up here. My business is in the tanks. Or you could say, what's my plan B? And let's do an even better plan B. And this is just going swimmingly well. It's like the glass half full or half 
empty. We can look at it a variety of ways, but isn't it nicer and better and more productive to look at it in the positive way and say, how are we going to make this great instead of, you know, sitting in your, your basement moping about the things that you can't do. Let's think about the things you can do. Awesome. I do want to ask this one question and I just want to know what your opinion is on what effect do sport injuries have on mental health of athletes? Well, it is huge. And it, you know, I've seen it from many different levels. There's a lot of concerns around that. Athletes, you know, often their whole identity is sometimes tied up in that sport. So it's important to provide support for the athlete. And often they, they do need help. They do need a professional psychologist or counselor or an excellent coach to work with them frequently and regularly on how they're feeling, but also to look at the things that they can do at this time. But it is a major obstacle and it is important to, to address it with the athletes. I did want to go back. That, that swimmer that I mentioned that was a Canadian Olympic swimmer, I said to Missy, actually I was talking with Missy, and I said, what would you ask her as an Olympic athlete? And she's competed against this person. So what would you like to ask her what she's doing at this time? And, you know, everyone was about training and conditioning and so forth. And she said, well, DCJ, I wouldn't be so interested in what she's doing sport-wise. I would be interested in what she's doing to strengthen her mentally and what exercises is she doing and what programs is she using to prepare her for Tokyo not happening this year, for how she's going to process this year. And that's what she was interested in. So, so that was really interesting. And I think that's, you know, some of the great athletes think about that aspect even more and want to prepare for it. And so as a physician, we want to provide uh, different levels of care for them to assist them with that. And it sounds like you do a great job with that, James. Thanks so much. So Kathy, how can we encourage athletes to look for support if they need it? Or an alternative question is how do we remove the stigma? Well, I think a lot of top level athletes have come out recently. Missy has certainly come out and talked about her problems with depression, Michael Phelps, Allison Schmidt, Canadian and, athletes, Clara Hughes. And in basketball, uh, DeMar DeRozan. Right. So lots of people have come out to talk about it. And I think that's really crucial. And it's brave of them to do it, but it does make it more acceptable. I think it's also important for, you know, the circle, the entourage to recognize it whether it's the physician, the coach, the physio, the therapist, the trainer, to recognize the problem and address it. Because often there's so many other issues going on that it, it's easier to deal with those things than to address this issue, which can be quite difficult. I think the support staff, keeping confidentiality in mind, need to address it as a team. So the student athlete, you have a coach, you have a trainer, you often there's a physio, there's other, there's a team doctor often, or a, a doctor that, that you can access to work together with that athlete and help them. I think the more people talk about it, the less it stigmatizes it. 
Another point, Kathy, that's really crucial is that there's a lot of student athletes in Canada who don't have that level of support and they need to know that there are many, many sport and exercise medicine physicians associated with the Canadian Academy of Sport and Exercise Medicine, and they can access these doctors if they don't have them readily available. They can reach out to those doctors, and those doctors are very well prepared to deal with these mental health issues. So parents, coaches, and the athletes themselves should be very aware that there's lots of sport and exercise medicine physicians who can help them to move forward. Just a comment further on that, as you mentioned earlier, CASM stands for the Canadian Academy of Sport and Exercise Medicine, and all the certified or diplomaed sports medicine physicians belong to this organization. We have over 900 sports medicine certified physicians in Canada now, from Newfoundland through to Victoria. And most of them don't need a referral, many do, but you can either get a referral from your family physician, or in many cases, they are primary care docs as well. So that's a good point, James, that there's, there's a lot of help out there, but sometimes we, we need a push to get that help. So Kathy, on behalf of James and I, thank you so much for joining us today. And to the listeners, be sure to join us next week when we are joined by Dr. Kara Brown and we continue our discussion on mental health and look specifically at depression. Thanks so much for the invite. It was great to, uh, to see both of you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Instagram at Peep the Process Podcast and on Twitter and Facebook at Peep the Process. Our website can be found at peeptheprocess.buzzsprout.com. This podcast is produced by Emma Jacobs along with associate producer Enrica Immaturo. Special thanks to the Department of Family Medicine at the Scarborough Health Network, the Athletic Department at Seneca College, and the Canadian Academy of Sport and Exercise Medicine for their support. See you next time. At this point, we would like to remind you that the information provided in this podcast and on this website is intended for a Canadian audience. It is for informational purposes only and does not create a physician-patient relationship. It is not to be used as professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or care, nor is it intended to be used as a substitute. Anyone with any questions regarding medical conditions, issues, or problems should seek the advice of a physician.